nations, God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of man. He raises up kings and rulers, cast out, appointing all boundaries and times. The power he gives to whomever he will, but he has not control from on high. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of man. The proud he collapses the holy of what he demands. The nations who willingly humble themselves will be the dominions that stand. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of Against it, hell's gate shall never prevail. His throne will be left to no other. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of man. That throne sits on high in the depths of his heart. A warfare with weapons to carnal offend, a tyrant our king but our father. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of Romans chapter 1, verses 20 through 23 from the New International Version. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being or birds and animals and reptiles. God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, master of the universe, Lord of all creation, can it be that we are the people of
Welcome to the South Edmonton Church of Christ. In this video, we're going to be taking a look at what it means to worship and try to think about what that truly does mean from, from the scriptures and from God's perspective as well. Uh, let's dive in and see some of what God says about it. In Romans chapter 1, in verse 20, what we find out is there is something to be said about creation itself and really kind of recognizing great things about God. And I think that this can lead us into worship. Paul in Romans 1, he says that creation itself, it reveals something about God, something that you cannot see about God. It reveals his power. It reveals his divine nature. See, there's something just to be said about the fact that the earth and all of creation exists. We can know that there is a creator. We can know that there is someone who is in charge of all of this. In this video, I want us to take a look at that. And I want us to see what it means to worship God and to praise him for this, this greatness that he just is automatically. Largely, we're going to be looking at Psalm 148, and we're going to be seeing about worship and about praising God. The first few verses talk about praising the Lord from the heavens. Let's look at those together. Psalm 148, verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye shining stars. Praise him, ye highest heavens and ye waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that they will never pass away. So here in the first few verses, we, we see about praising the Lord from the heavens, and really how the heavens praise the Lord. What do you think worship looks like from God's perspective? I mean, I just want you to think about that. I mean, obviously, it's not something that I can really just tell you exactly what worship looks like from God's perspective. However, I know that how I view my own worship and sometimes the worship of those around me, um, that might change from time to time a little bit. For example, there was one particular occasion where we weren't meeting in a church building. It was kind of a, um, a youth gathering, I guess I would say. And we were meeting outside in this kind of uh, this outside structure. But it wasn't much of a structure. There weren't really like walls and stuff around it. And it was kind of cold in this part of the year. And we were singing songs. And you know how when it's cold, you can kind of see your breath come out. Well, it was very interesting as I started looking around at all of these Christians that were worshiping with me. And not only was I able to hear the song, 
but I was able to see everybody's breath, you know, my own breath included as I was as I was singing. And I I just remember having, you know, very vividly, I remember having this this thought about, you know, what does God see whenever he looks at us? You know, it's only because it was cold that I was able to see our songs. But what about God? Whenever we worship him, is he able to see our songs? Is he able to, obviously, he's able to hear our songs. What about, you know, seeing them? What about hearing them? What about touching them? What about tasting them? You know, I don't really know what all senses God has. But how does he interpret our worship? You know, how does he take in our worship? And what does it mean? Well, I think this passage right here, it shows us that it's not just us as humans who are worshiping God. No, there's there's a whole heavenly host, so to speak. The angels, but then also the things that we don't really consider like spiritual beings or anything, like the sun, the moon, and the stars. All of those things are praising God too. Praising God is so important, and God is receiving praise from so many different ways. What do you think that type of worship looks like? You know, what if we could just sort of peel back the curtain into heaven itself and, and see a glimpse as to what worship looks like there? Well, guess what? Sometimes in the scriptures, we see just that. We see times whenever that veil was opened up, that curtain was opened up. And we were allowed as just humans to be able to see in to what heavenly worship looks like. And I want to take you to one of those places. In Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4, uh, by the way, this is the part of Revelation that he's just been talking to the different churches. And it's really kind of getting into this, this vision part. So, um, yes, a lot of these, they're, they're symbols. And they don't always exactly make sense on, on at the beginning. But let's also realize... These are things that are happening in heaven. So in heaven, there's these four living creatures that have just been described. One of them is like a lion. The next one is like an ox, like a man, like a flying eagle. That doesn't mean that any of them are, are really those things. It's just they're like those things. That's just the best way that, that John could describe it to us in Revelation. And we read this, this type of praising God. Revelation 4, beginning in verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now, I know it's not exactly the same thing about being able to see this, but I want you to try to visualize that. I want you to imagine what John really did see when he saw this this scene unfold, all of these strange creatures, you know, some of them look pretty normal, you know, these 24 elders, okay, they look pretty normal, but these other creatures, they don't. These four creatures, they look very strange, but they're all praising God. See, this is one of those glimpses that we see what it looks like for not just 
man to praise God, but also angels and other creatures to praise God as well. But you know, this isn't the end of it. The next chapter in Revelation gets into a, another image like this. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when the Lamb had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Obviously, I think you've probably put this together already, but that lamb who takes the scroll is, of course, Jesus Christ. He is the lamb that was sacrificed in our place. And because of that, he is worthy to take this scroll. He's worthy to open it up. And he's worthy to reveal the things that are going to take place in the book of Revelation. And we see this praise to Jesus Christ. But there's more. The next few verses. Revelation 5 verses 11 and 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Now, I don't know what's the largest worship assembly you've ever been in. I've had the privilege of being able to, to worship with, I guess, perhaps thousands at a time. But I mean, I still haven't come close to worshiping with this many, especially angels. I mean, these aren't even just human voices. These are angelic voices. Thousands upon thousands, 10,000s times 10,000s. I've not been in a worship service that big. But one day I will be. And one day you will be as well. We all are going to be given this opportunity to worship God with all of our fellow human beings who are praising God and, and who are with him, but then also all the angels that we just don't really come in contact with much and we don't really see and aren't currently all that much aware of what's going on, but yet we can all worship God together and we can praise him for who he is and what he's done for us. And there's one final thing that I, I wanna share with you. In Revelation 5.13, John writes, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The worship that we offer God is only part of the worship that he receives. He not only receives this praise from the earth, but he receives that praise from the heavens. And there's these wonderful images that we get like this in Revelation 4 and 5 that, that we see how our worship is working together with this heavenly worship. And we can all praise God for the great and wonderful being that he is and the great and wonderful power that he has. But let's keep looking at Psalm 148. Let's go back to that and let's see a few more things. Because we looked at first about how praising the Lord was kind of commanded from the heavens, but you know, he goes on and he says to praise the Lord from the earth. This is where we see both of them working together. 
Psalm 148, beginning in verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. So in this Psalm 148, we see that to praise the Lord from the heavens, but then also to praise the Lord from the earth. And it's not just humans. It's all of these creatures as well, praising God and working together. Now, see, we've had an interesting uh, opportunity to be able to meet together in our drive-in services. And, and one thing that I have kind of noticed, it's it's interesting because it's it's different. You know, we're worshiping and we're, we're outside or so to speak, at least, you know, many times if it's nice weather, we have the windows rolled down. I'm already out there and and uh, I might kind of get some of the best view that, that anybody else has because I can I can see just kind of the the hills in the background and just all the beautiful green that's behind us. And I'm aware that even while I'm preaching, I can hear the birds singing. And then, you know, if it perhaps is raining, we hear that rain coming down around us, perhaps on our on our vehicles. Although I don't get to experience that as much, but I, I hear it coming on the top of the, the church building and just in the ground around us. So we hear all of these things. And if we so choose, we could view those as distractions. Or we could view them as lessons. We could view them at least many of them, you know, we can view that as as worship, that it's not just humans who are praising God, but also all things on the earth, all creatures on the earth can praise God as well. And we are worshiping God together because we exist and he is so great. He is so good to us. He is worthy of our worship. Well, one of the ways that we can learn lessons is is revealed to us by Jesus himself. In the Sermon on the Mount, he uses this wonderful illustration that the birds and also the, the grass can serve for us. Let's take a look at that from the Sermon on the Mount together. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, this is Jesus himself speaking, and he, he teaches this lesson. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is just one example, or I guess maybe two examples, 
in which we can take these as opportunities of, of learning lessons. You know, what better way than whenever we're outside worshiping together with the windows rolled down and we hear the birds and then we can look around us and we can see the, the grass of the field. Can't we be reminded of these lessons that Jesus uses? Which, after all, might I remind you, he spoke this sermon on a mountain. So, I mean, he spoke this sermon outside. It, it was just, it was a wonderful image, very similar to the type of one that we are getting to experience in these services, being out in God's creation itself. Now, don't get me wrong. I do like it whenever we can come together in our church building and whenever we can, you know, not have as, as many distractions and all, but let's maybe learn something about these distractions. Learn something about worshiping God and about praising him with all of creation, because sometimes those things might cause us a little bit of distraction. However, I believe we can refocus that. And I believe that we can see beautiful things in what God has done and what God has created. And one final thing that I, I want us to go back to Psalm 148 and take a look at, and, and this will be kind of the, the thought that we that we end on. Psalm 148, verses 13 and 14. See, after the psalmist gives the command to praise the Lord from the heavens and then praise the Lord from the earth, then he just gives the command to praise the Lord. Look at these verses with me together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, a praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. You see, the last part of verse 13 tells us that his splendor, it's above the earth, it's above the heavens. There's no way that we can really kind of compare or compete with God. However, that's not our job. Our job isn't to compare ourselves with God or to compete with God. Our job is to praise God for the great things that he has done, for how he has brought his people through time and time again, and how he will continue to bring his people through tough times time and time again. If we just remain faithful to him, and if we just learn to praise him from the heavens, to praise him from the earth, praise him wherever you find yourself being. Praise the Lord. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose to lay, 
Will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the rivers run, when shines the sun, we can clearly see the masterpiece of God. When the moonlight glows and blooms a rose, there can be no doubt it was God who made it all. When the rivers run, Yeah.